Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. By now, most people know who they're voting for. There's only some 10 or 11% of Americans that are undecided at this point. So whether you're a Trump fan, a Biden supporter, maybe you're undecided, or this year you do not even want to head to the polls. Here's the thing. There will be an election and there will be a president elected. You may not know the results right away, but each president has proposals that could affect your retirement. So that's what we want to tackle today. We're not gonna, going to try to give you information that'll sway your vote or, or help you cast a vote. It's more looking what, at what each candidate is proposing, how it can affect your retirement, and most importantly, giving you action steps that you can take to insulate your retirement from whoever is elected. Here to help us through all of it today, Rochelle Smith, the producer of this podcast, and Lauren Merkel. He is a certified financial fiduciary and a certified financial planner. Lauren, we know that we'd like to think it doesn't really matter what's going on in Washington. I'm here in Iowa, or I'm in California, I'm in Maine. I don't care what lawmakers are doing. But the reality is, and we've seen it recently, we'll talk about that, what happens in Washington can affect retirement plans. What happens in Washington does affect retirement plans. In fact, we saw that just almost 12 months ago, December of 2019, huge legislative changes that took place that completely changed or can change how, how you uh, structure your legacy plan. 2018, we saw big changes from a tax code standpoint. And prior to that, we saw huge changes from a healthcare standpoint. So all of those legislative changes can have a direct impact on what you're trying to accomplish from a retirement vision standpoint and the strategies that you're going to put in place to help you do what you're trying to do retirement wise. Molly, I'm really excited. Why is that? Because we found out right now that there's actually going to be a president elected. We're, we're not going to... I broke the news they, here first. You broke the news here. This is <laughs> this is the first we heard. Nancy Pelosi is not going to sweep in and take ah, power. Got it. Somebody okay. is going to be elected. I'm, I'm really excited to start the show off with that news alone. Yes. Breaking news <laughs> alert. We will elect a president the first Tuesday in November. When we will find out is unknown. Where, where are we going with that after that breaking news alert there? Well, there's been a lot of people saying that there's we're not going to elect Trump or Biden. Because I'm unfamiliar with this. Please, now you are enlightening really? me. Yes, good. Do tell. I'm unfamiliar well, with this the theory of yours. Conspiracy theory. Oh, okay. Is <laughs> yeah, good. Okay. That we're going to be undecided because of all the mail-in votes. It's going to take us a while to count the votes, and then they're going to be heavily contested. So we're not going to have a determination on whether it's Trump or Biden until after January. By that point. Based on the Constitution, Nancy Pelosi is now the president-elect and has power until we can determine who the actual legitimate president is. I see. I wonder how Nancy feels about that. She feels really good. <laughs> I was going to say, of course she does. Not a lot of other people may agree with that, but that's beside the point. We need to cue the spooky mu music now with all the conspiracy theories. Ooh, I can on. definitely do that. Either way... We will elect a president. We'll get the results at some point to be determined. And we realize today as we're podcasting that it takes not only the president to pass you know, law, but really the, the body that is um, entrusted with passing law is Congress. So clearly what happens with the congressional elections will have a lot of bearing on whether Biden or Trump get any of these proposals passed. But what we think it's important to do or what we really want to do today is talk real briefly about each of their proposals and more importantly talk about what you can do because what you can't do 
is is determined right now where from where you're sitting who will be elected you can vote you cast your vote it's important but right now of course none of us in this room know who will be elected either but what we do know is how to help people meet their retirement visions and that's what we've been doing that's what lauren's been doing for the last 20 years He's, he's seen lots of different presidential elections. He's seen how those affect the market, how those affect retirement planning. He wants to give that knowledge to us today, kind of help us work through what happens when a president is elected. So first, coronavirus relief. Both candidates have ideas about how to deal with coronavirus and the coronavirus relief. And we know it's a big topic in the election. Basically, Biden more relief packages, Trump, more relief packages, maybe some more control on the state level. And and we don't want to downplay their ideas uh, and, and dumb them down. But we know that basically both candidates are going to spend money on coronavirus relief. And when we hear about Washington spending money, Lauren, we think about tax rates. We think about tax rates because the average national deficit over the last three, two or three years has, has been somewhere around a trillion dollars a year. So we're into October of this year and we've already spent, the deficit is around $4 trillion already through this year. So it's significantly, significantly greater than what we've ever seen before. The national debt is about $27 trillion and it just continues to climb. Both candidates have expressed an interest to continue to uh, provide more relief from COVID-19. So that is is on the table either way. I think as of note, as we talk about these legislative changes that they're they're talking about or legislation uh, that they're looking to implement, I think it's important to note that if Biden gets elected, then he's probably going to have an easier route to implement the legislative changes that he's looking for. Because the, the fact of the matter, if you, if you have the legislative branch and if you have the executive branch, if you have the legislative branches and you have the executive branch, then you're going to have the ability to implement whatever it is you're trying to do much easier. Historically, we've seen that. So uh, the Democratic side, they need to win three Senate seats, and they already have the House by 18 seats. So if Biden wins, he has the executive branch. Most likely, if he wins the presidency, they're going to take over the the three Senate seats that they're going to need, and they're not going to lose the House. So they will have all three branches to implement pretty much whatever they want to implement, which means from a tax perspective standpoint, they do want to make some tax changes, and they'll probably be able to implement anything they, or within reason, anything they want to within that first year. And what they're talking about is any changes that they implement, making that retro back to January 1st, and I think they almost have to. As an example, the capital gains tax that they're talking about is is for capital gains and qualified dividends. Anything over a million dollars, they're going to increase that from the 20% that it currently is up to 39.6. So these these wealthy investors who who have these brokerage accounts with a lot of money in it and maybe maybe they have a lot of unrealized capital gains because the last 12 years in the market have been extremely, extremely rewarding. So they have all these unrealized capital gains, and if they know that they're they, they're going to have to pay 39.6 in selling this versus 20%, then why not dump all of those stocks, pay the 20%, and essentially start over? So the, the parties know this, and that's why they would have to make it retro back to January 1st, because they passed that bill in, let's say, June, 
make it back to uh, retro to January 1st, there's nothing at that point that these investors can do. They can't sell the stocks because they're still going to be charged at 39.6. If they didn't make it retro, now in July, they sell these stocks before the end of the year. They pay the 20 versus the 39.6, and that's going to have a really negative impact on the market. Now, I think there's going to be some volatility to, in the market anyway, because if we find out Biden wins prior to December 31st of this year, guess what people are going to do? Sell. They're going to sell because they know that this is the tax plan that the Democratic side is talking about. Now, let's let's take Trump as an example. Trump is probably not going to win the House. So if Trump wins the presidency, he's probably not going to regain 18 seats to win the House. They'll probably maintain control over the Senate. So they have two of the three bodies. So can they pass the legislation that they want to? Yeah, maybe, but it's going to be a little bit more difficult to pass the legislation than if they had all three of the government bodies. Um, from, a, from a tax standpoint, Trump's, uh, Trump is trying to decrease taxes even more. Uh, he would like to decrease uh, some of the middle income taxes. He's talking about taking the 22% tax bracket down to 15. So instead of a 10%, 12%, and 22% bracket... He, he's talking about having a 10%, 12%, and 15% bracket. So there are some changes that he's talking about, but I, I can tell you because of the credit card bill that this country has, at some point taxes are going to have to go up. And even Trump, if he wants to continue to decrease taxes, he may not have the, the support behind him to do so because the country has to generate revenue, has to generate revenue to pay back these bills. Now, if we're the government and we're thinking about we have this credit card debt to pay, where's this revenue going to come from? One of the easiest ways for them to generate excess revenue is to increase those federal tax brackets. And there's a couple of reasons why. One is that historically these tax rates are low, meaning that 10% bracket, the lowest bracket we have, we, we have to go all the way back to the 50s before we find another bracket that low. The 37% bracket seems really high, and it is, but it, in 1980 that was 70%. So historically these brackets have been significantly higher there's 10,000 people retiring every single day, and that's going to take place for the next 15 years. When these 10,000 people retire today, they're going to still need income. The vast majority of their savings is in pre-tax accounts, which means these accounts they have never paid taxes on before. So they need income. They take income from these pre-tax accounts. They, they're going to be taxed on those distributions on that income. So if Uncle Sam wants to increase the revenue, then all he has to do is increase the tax brackets, the rate at which those distributions are uh, assessed taxes, and that's an automatic increase in the uh, bottom line revenue of the government. Historically low tax rates, tax rates have been much higher, record number of people retiring, needing to take distributions from their retirement accounts, it's an easier source of revenue increases for the government, which is why I think that eventually, whether it's two years from now, next year, or five years from now, tax rates are going to go up. So the best strategy for a pre-retiree or even a retiree who's listening is to decrease their taxable income. What can they do? 
Well, it's about implementing tax strategy with with those. Let's go back to those pre-tax accounts. So there's $29 trillion in retirement savings in this country. The vast majority of that is all pre-tax, which means it's never been never been taxed before. So you know, as as an account holder of these pre-tax IRAs or pre-tax 401k plans, you know you're going to pay taxes on that money at some point. Whether you retire, you start taking distributions, or even if you retire at 65, don't need to take money out at 72, you're going to be mandated to take distributions out of these accounts, which means you're going to be mandated to pay any taxes on those distributions. So you know you're going to pay taxes on that money at some point. With historically low tax rates right now, one of the strategies that many pre-retirees, many retirees are engaging in is Roth conversions. You take a piece of your money from those pre-tax accounts, you shift it over to the tax-free Roth. You do pay taxes on that conversion in the year you do it, but once it's underneath the Roth, it grows tax-free forever. So in retirement, you take money out of the Roth, it comes to you federally tax-free. At 72, you're not mandated to take distributions out of the Roth like the pre-tax accounts. You can if you want to, but you're not mandated. And if you structure, if you create tax diversification within your overall portfolio, meaning you have some accounts that will be taxed when you take it out, you have some accounts that won't be taxed when you take it out, now you can structure, you can engineer an income plan that is going to have some distributions from the pre-tax accounts, some distributions from the, ta- from the tax-free accounts, which now you have a lot more control over what tax brackets you're going to be in. So what that does is it insulates you from any future tax rate hikes, and it also gives you more control over your retirement dollars. What we've always been told, and, and for, for the vast majority of uh, your accumulation years, this was true, what you've always been told is you're going to be in a lower tax rate when you retire than what you are in your working years. Now, in the 80s, when you were working and you were paying 30%, 25%, 40%, some people up in excess to 70% on some of the money versus where tax rates are now, that's true. So you deferred taxes. You didn't pay taxes on the, this money that you saved in your pre-tax accounts then. That was a good thing. And now you have the opportunity to take money out of these accounts at historically low tax rates. So it could be really good timing for a lot of these pre-retirees and retirees. We just can't uh, sit on our heels and not look at implement implementing effective tax strategies because there's going to be a day that we have to take money out of these accounts and we're probably going to pay a a higher tax on it right now. I'm going to go back to capital gains for a minute because I heard something there. So you talked about wealthy investors and capital gains rates. Do capital gains rates also though affect, you know, we're thinking upper upper echelon wealthy investors. Does what happens with capital gains rates affect the common investor as well? There's millions and millions of Americans that are impacted by capital gains, but it's based on the the income threshold of what level of tax that you pay. As an example, if you're in the federal tax rate of 12% or or less right now, you can realize long-term capital gains and qualified dividends and pay 0% tax on those distributions or on those capital gains and, and dividends. Rarely in, in the, the history of this tax code have we had the opportunity, have investors had the opportunity to realize capital gains and dividends and not pay taxes on it. So what that means is if you're a married couple filing mar- married and you have a taxable income that's less than 80000 you could have $10,000 of realized long-term capital gains and not have to pay any taxes on it. That's incredible. That's an incredible, t- in, in essence, that's kind of like a Roth distribution. 
where you take money out of this type of an account, you realize these capital gains, so you don't have to pay any federal tax on it. If you're in uh, a tax bracket that's higher than 12%, then you're either going to pay 15% on those capital gains, or on the high side, you're going to pay 20%. So it's the, the investors who are paying 20% with an income in excess of $450,000 uh, is what it takes to get to the 20% Cap, long-term capital gains rate. And what Biden's talking about is is an income over a million dollars. So income over a million dollars, then you're going to be charged 39.6 on those types of capital gains. So there's the common investor, yes, does have to pay some capital gains if they're in excess of 12%. So it does it can't impact everybody, but what, what the uh, Biden administration or the Biden uh, candidacy is proposing should only impact those wealthy investors. So maybe you like what you heard Lauren say about trying to decrease your taxable income as you move to and through retirement. Here's an opportunity to talk directly with a retirement planner about your specific situation. Go to MerkelPlan.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Plan.com. And right there, you can schedule a 15-minute retirement checkup call with one of our retirement planners. You'll get right on the calendar of the retirement planners and get your call scheduled. It is complimentary. Let's go back to Trump versus Biden, their proposals and how they can affect your retirement. Up next on the docket, Lauren Healthcare. Always talking about healthcare. One of the biggest concerns of pre-retirees and retirees is how they're going to pay for healthcare. When do I elect Medicare? How do I elect Medicare supplements? All those questions always swirling. And each candidate has a proposal that could affect this big healthcare question. Well, the biggest news around Medicare is uh, is in the Biden camp, where Biden is trying, and what he's what he's saying is that he's going to try to decrease the Medicare eligibility age from sixty five to sixty. Now, that would make a big impact for a lot of pre retirees. Because many pre-retirees want to retire prior to 65. They feel like they're ready emotionally. They feel like they're ready physically. They feel like financially they're ready, except for this problem of health care costs. A married couple might spend $2,500, $3,000 a month on open market health care prior to age 65. And that's, uh, that's a big portion of their budget. If they're looking at a total, total budget, uh, spend budget in retirement of six thousand dollars a month. Maybe half of that goes to health care. That is, that is keeping a lot of people from retiring prior to the age of sixty-five. So what Biden is proposing is, hey, let's let's drop the the age requirement from sixty-five to sixty. And what he would also like is to make Medicare lower income wage earning families Medicare eligible as well. So they might be 30 years old, but they, they are considered lower income. They would have Medicare available to them as well. So it was really, really, it's a broadening and expansion of Medicare and who is eligible to participate in Medicare is what Biden's trying to do. From the Trump side, he hasn't said a ton about the healthcare side, except for that he does want to repeal the ACA. So he has been a big proponent from the very beginning. If you remember back in his first year of his administration, that was that was heavy on the docket. He was trying to repeal the ACA, uh, didn't quite get it through. Uh, but in a second term, you can bet he's going to go back to try to uh, revise the ACA at best. So uh, his his heavy focus from a healthcare standpoint is on the ACA and the repeal of that legislation. Biden he's focused on the expansion of Medicare. 
So what can pre-retirees or retirees do now to take control of healthcare costs for themselves, regardless of who's elected? Well, we need to, it's going to be a little bit different for everybody and, and it needs to be embedded within your plan. Legislative changes, whether it's on the healthcare side, the tax side, uh, the legacy planning side, they will have an impact on what your strategies are. But if you have your retirement plan in place, when these legislative changes inevitably do take place, whether it's next year or five years from now, you're going to have a foundation. You're going to have a foundation that you can easily adapt from implement the changes as you need to, and it's going to make your retirement journey much easier. So legislative changes are a big part of the retirement planning process. You know, one of the, one of the questions we get all the time is, uh, does the market perform better with Democrats or does the market perform better with Republicans? And I know all you Republicans out there are saying the market does better <laughs> with Republican presidents. Of course. And all you Democrats out there are saying the same thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so what? how does the market really perform versus Republicans and Democrats? So if we look back all the way to 1945, this is the, the administration of Harry Truman, right? Going back 45, almost, almost 80 years, uh, when Republicans presided over the country, there was uh, more economic expansions than when de Democrats did. So this is all about how do you compare who has done better, right? Economic expansions is one measurement, uh, generally measured by the growth of GDP during the time that the president was, was running the country. There were more Republican expansions than Democrats. But if we look at recessions, there were far more recessions during Republicans being president than Democrats. De Democrats. So how you measure it, there has been really good economic periods when Republicans were in, in the presidency, and there was really good economic periods when Democrats, and vice versa. There's been really bad times in, in during both presidencies. So it's not a matter of are the Republicans going to win versus the Democrats going to win. It's a matter of how are you going to live your retirement? How are you going to use what you've saved over all of these years to fuel your lifestyle and retirement and make sure that you can protect and harness the power of all these resources that you have at your disposal now that you're looking to go into retirement or through retirement? And that information that Lauren was talking about comes from a really interesting Forbes article uh, that we will link in the show notes that looked at the modern presidencies, the last 12 presidencies, and really broke down how the market did, uh, what they inherited when they when they were elected president. So if you want to look more in depth into what Lauren was referencing, again, that will be in our show notes. Going back to the market... We know that the market is not only impacted by who's in power, it's impacted by things like the coronavirus. It's impacted by the buying and selling of major corporations. I mean, we know that the market will go up and the market will go down. But if you're getting close to retirement or in retirement, that can cause you a lot of anxiety. One of the biggest questions I received this year is, is Lauren, what do you think the market's going to do for the rest of this year? And my response is uh, the market's going to go up and the market's going to go down because that's what it always has done. That's what it's always going to do. The biggest thing when it comes to, to, to the markets, regardless of who wins this presidency, is the markets are going to go up and the markets are going to go down. On average, bear markets, which means the market uh, has lost over 20%, happen every two and a half years. Market corrections, which is a down between 10 and 20%, happen on average once every year. 2018, we had two market corrections, one in February, one in fourth quarter. 2019, we didn't have, have any, but on average, every, every year. And what that is, is that is an opportunity to take advantage of this market gyration. What, what I mean by that is what 
what, what, what do people always tell us how, how to make money in the market? Buy low, sell high. Buy low, sell high. But if, if there's not a low, then when are we going to buy? Right. And that's that volatility, that market gyration that really allows us to buy low. And then it's about selling high. But the, the fact of the matter is most advisors and most people, most investors don't take advantage of these market swings. We just ride the ride of this roller coaster. So having an active plan, a proactive plan in place to take advantage of this market volatility. First of all, you can't you can't have your portfolio reacting like the market because then you can't take advantage of it. So if you protect yourself against the downside, create a recession resistant portfolio where you're not your portfolio is not going to get smoked when the market gets smoked and then you can take advantage when the market goes down. These are the strategies that need to be implemented within the portfolio. Doesn't matter who gets elected, the market's going up, the market's going down. What really matters is how you structure your investment plan and how you coordinate it with every other aspect of your overall retirement plan. Don't be surprised by market volatility. It's present, it's going to be here for some time, and it's going to be here for the rest of your retirement. So you're going to see a lot of volatility over the rest of your retirement. Take advantage of it. We've done several podcasts on stock market volatility. So if you want to go more in depth and hear Lauren's take on how to insulate your retirement or create a recession resistant retirement, go back into our podcast and look for that. If you like what you're hearing, we invite you to rate, review, and of course, subscribe to this podcast. It's retiring today. And one more thing, we know that your retirement is specific to you, your goals, your retirement vision your retirement savings, how you want to spend your money is all very specific to you. So if you want to talk about your specific situation, go to MerkelPlan.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Plan.com and schedule a 15-minute retirement checkup call or continue to listen to this podcast. It's retiring today and we thank you for listening. Merkel Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Insurance, LLC.